fantasy football today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. The top 30 players in our top 150. Let's get to it. What's going on, everybody? Hope you've been enjoying the shows this week. I've been enjoying the heck out of them. Dave, Jamie, and Heath, you guys have been outstanding. I really appreciate all the hard work. I mean, it's your job, but it's been a lot of great hard work. So, uh, you ready for the top 30 today? Bring it on. Hey, all right. Bring it on, Warriors. Bring it on. (laughs) So, we do have some Tyreek Hill news. Uh, I think we'll probably talk about it when we get to Travis Kelsey. Actually, we could probably talk about it right now with number 30, Damian Williams. It's a great place to start. Damian Williams has been the hottest source of debate, I'd say, on this show since the season ended. And he checks in at number 30 overall. Okay, guys, let's uh, let's get started with Chiefs running back Damian Williams. Go. Well, who wants him if Tyreek Hill is going to be back in Kansas City? Well, I mean, just, just kidding. Yeah, yeah. I do think that, like, and just because of the way that I do my projections, this has a slight impact on Damian Williams because Tyreek Hill has had between seventeen and twenty-four rush attempts yep. each of the last three years. He scored four rushing touchdowns in three seasons. When he's active, he does take some of those rush attempts. And what happens when a receiver catches a long touchdown? It ends a drive. It takes away rushing opportunities from the run game. So it's I, on the flip side, you could say Tyreek Hill being on the field, it pushes the safeties back. It makes it even easier for, for Damian Williams to see light boxes to run against. That's true. I, I said it he's today on the still, show. Dave had had Damian Williams as a breakout. Jamie had him as a bust. And I said, if I was kind of in the middle more towards Dave. Um, and I said, the great thing about this is one of you guys is going to be so, so right. Because if he plays 16 games as a starting running back, he's probably a top five running back in fantasy. And we were all too low on him. And he could very well flame out after two or three games. So what are the odds that Damian Williams gets 12 touches a week? Carlos Hyde gets 15 touches a week. And we have two okay running backs. I'd probably flip the numbers if you're going to go that route. Uh, fine. Either way, Williams, Williams is going to get more. Uh, we than hot. we Look, know that. Well, we know the history, right, Jamie, of Andy Reid to to give a fe- to give, make a guy a feature guy. Do you think that's going to happen one way or the other this year? I think what we're going to get to a totally different scale is what they kind of wanted to do in Kareem Hunt's rookie season, because it was going to be Spencer Ware as the quote unquote starter, which is very much how Damian Williams feels like to me. Took advantage of a great situation the year before in terms of Ware. And was a good fantasy option. Williams seems to be a better player than Spencer Ware was, based on what he showed at the end of last season. And the circumstances around Damian Williams are better than what they were around Spencer Ware at the time. But it was draft Kareem Hunt to work him in and not necessarily make it a committee to what we think of what committee running backs could be or backfields could be. But I think you're going to see a scenario of it's not going to be Damian Williams like that Colts game where he had 20-something carries. That's not going to be the case uh, if everybody's healthy. I think you're going to see. Yeah, you're going to see. Like when you said 12 carries for for Williams, I think that's about right. I th- yeah, and then two to three catches, he could still be very successful. It it, it really comes down to I think Damian Williams. You know, like the, it's one of the stupidest things that you know people are getting excited about is the Chiefs coaching staff has named Damian Williams a starter. Well, no bleep. Well, why do you name, think why do you think he's a bust? I think where he's getting drafted. Where I think the fact that our consensus has him at 30, the fact that his draft value has been going in the third round, I think that's just way too soon. I've seen him at the end of round two. It's just too soon. Dave, make the case for the breakout. Well, I, I don't mind that the coaches are calling. Andy Reid yesterday called him full-time starter. We expect him what to What is he be going to say? He could temper uh, the, the expectations and say he's going to be a part of a he, – he, he's going to get the first the crack person at him. We'll that see, would do that but would he be could Pete also Carroll. mention Hyde and he could also mention – uh, Thompson, Darwin Thompson, and he's not doing that. They are, if anything, they're putting a lot of pressure on Damian Williams, saying Good, that he's going that to be that guy. Drive it up. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily going to drive up his ADP. Of course but it is, because people think that he's, oh, he's the guy. Oh, I think he's going to I think he's going to be a borderline, a second, third round pick. Yes. And if he's a starter for 16 games, that's a steal. I agree. Uh, to me, Agreed. this is about the opportunity. And Damian Williams has to make the most of the opportunity. I spent some time yesterday. I'm going to do a deep dive on Damian Williams. 
I spent some time yesterday going through his 2016 and 2017 seasons. 2017, he really didn't get much of a chance to play because when uh, Ajayi got traded, he had some opportunities. He hurt his shoulder. He was done for the year. And I think he had some problems in Miami after that about with the coaching staff. Um, not the only player to go through problems uh, in South Florida. But in 2016, he had limited work. He had 58 touches. He had six touchdowns, three rushing, three receiving. So that was almost like a glimmer into what his potential is. And I uh, found some old clips about teammates really like expressing their their gratitude toward Damian Williams and how much of a gamer he is and how hard he works. And you know, it's not necessarily coach speak, but what, maybe this doesn't even matter. Maybe none of what I'm saying matters other than this. He's going to be the quote-unquote full-time starter for the Kansas City Chiefs to begin the season. And that's been a spot in Andy Reid's offenses that has done very well for fantasy. Yes. I want that on my fantasy team. All right. That was uh, that was five minutes. That's cool. I knew we'd spend a lot of time on Damian Williams. Um, we're we're going to average about two minutes per player. Julian Edelman is number 29, and he was on pace. If he had played 16 games, he would have been the number 11 wide receiver in non-PPR, number 10 in PPR. You can pretty much catch uh, Pencil him in for, you know, 100 or so catches, 1,100, 1,200 yards. What about the touchdowns? He was on pace for eight last year. That would have been a lot for him. So, Heath, what do you think about Edelman at 29 overall? This is right about where I have him ranked. There is significant risk because of his age and injury history. Uh, there is plenty of upside in PPR. He could be a 100-catch guy relatively easily and over 1,000 yards, and I'd guess he's going to score six or seven touchdowns like he has during his best seasons. Um, I think he's a fine number two wide receiver in PPR, maybe even a high-end number two. He had one game last year below 12 PPR fantasy points, and he had 12 on the nose in his first game after the suspension. He's easy easy money, Sol- uh, better than a solid number two receiver. He's a very good number two fantasy receiver. For as many games as he plays. The, the, the Patriots have a long history of getting rid of a guy one year before he's typically done. And they just gave him an extension on his contract at 33 years old. I think that speaks volumes to still where they expect him to perform. Um, my guess is that he will benefit slightly, if not significantly, with Gronk being gone. So I, I'm all in on, on Edelman. He's a top 12 receiver for me in PPR. Okay. And I know this is, these are our PPR rankings, but where is Edelman in non-PPR? Just outside. He's top 15 either way. I've got him 19th and non-13th in, in PPR. Okay. Uh, let's do let's do two receivers. We have four receivers in our rankings coming up, back to back to back to back. Uh, they are 20, 28 through twenty five in the rankings, and in the wide receiver rankings, they are wide receivers. Let's see, ten through fourteen, or ten through thirteen. Sorry, Edelman was fourteen. So let's do Diggs and Hilton. They're back to back. Stephon Diggs is wide receiver thirteen. He's number twenty eight overall. T Y Hilton is wide receiver twelve. He's number twenty seven overall. I honestly can't imagine a draft if they're both available that I'm ever taking Diggs over Hilton. Uh, how about you guys? The same. And I, for me, it's the uncertainty of what's going on in Minnesota's offense. They're passing him specifically. Whereas Indianapolis, I think they'll they'll be aggressive and successful. Who would take? Who would? Who would take? I've never seen Diggs go ahead of Hilton. And Hilton I, is one spot ahead, but you know they're very close. But I, to me, they're not really. It's an easy call. Oh, I think they're very close. Um, they're both borderline number one receivers that probably don't have top five upside. I've actually got Diggs and PPR ranked just a little bit higher than Hilton. I think he'll probably catch more passes than Hilton does this year. And I don't see any reason not to expect him to score more touchdowns than Hilton does this year. Now, someone can make the argument, Stefan Diggs had more PPR points, half PPR points than T.Y. Hilton last year. And he was more consistent by a, a nudge over T.Y. He played an extra year. game. The, I just the situation's to going to That's get worse. One of I, like if you were going to – and they both have some some injury concerns. Sure. Um, but I, I just – You know, it's funny. Touch, touchdowns will make up part of it. Yeah. And Diggs catches a lot higher percentage of his targets. Uh, it is weird because I, I do see that they are very close, but to me, I would just take the clear-cut number one guy for Andrew Luck over probably the number two guy, you know, 1A, 1B, for Kirk Cousins on a team that's that ran the ball so much down the stretch, and not, we talked about it with Thielen. They want to run the ball. So, it's you know, like, I totally get it. 
I statistically they're probably going to be close, but it just feels like Hilton's safer. They're round three picks for a reason, though. What does that mean in a positive like they're, way? They're or not a... like he said. They're they're not top five guys. Okay. There, there's going to be limitations for both of them. Both are to different degrees in crowded receiving cores, like you said, one and one A for for the Vikings guys. So there's somebody else that takes a, a good chunk of the targets for the Colts. There's just a plethora of guys, uh, which is you know a, a downgrade to Hilton's upside. Um, but system matters here, and I, I think the the Colts system is a better passing system right now than what the Vikings will sort of operate with. All right, so our next two wide receivers, 26 and 25 in the countdown, and they are wide receivers 10 and 11, and they are Amari Cooper and A.J. Green. It's actually Green 25, Cooper 26, but we're counting down, so Cooper 26, A.J. Green 25. Uh, the, the group of four is, you know, in order of 28 through 25, is Diggs, Hilton, Cooper, Green. But, Dave, let's focus on Cooper and Green. What do you want to say with these guys? I want Cooper. Uh, Remember all those years in Oakland where we talked about how inconsistent he was and the targets were inconsistent? They weren't inconsistent with Dallas. He had seven or more targets in nine of 11 games. He had five or more catches in eight of 11 games. And in those 11 games, he had nearly 900 yards and seven touchdowns. Put that on a 16-game pace. You've got 96 catches, 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns. And I that would make for a breakout year for him if he had those kinds of numbers. And I think the potential is there. I read up today on their, their minicamp this week that they've been flying around and Dak is throwing the ball better down the field. They've been drilling it, and Cooper's been on the other end. And uh, I, I'm getting excited about this Cowboys offense. I think they could be, they, they could be fun, and Cooper's going to be a big part of it. Talk to me about A.J. Green, then. I like Green just a smidge more. I mean, I've got these guys back-to-back as well, and they're only separated by 10 points in my projection, so it's basically a coin flip. But the difference for me is that Green has traditionally been a guy that gets more yards per reception, right around 15 for his career. He's been a little bit better at getting into the end zone. So I think their catches will be close. I think their targets will be close. I just think Green will be a little bit more productive with those catches. Agreed. I also think the numbers that Dave mentioned is basically what A.J. Green has done when he's been healthy. Now, he's clearly been injury-prone the last couple of seasons. But if you're talking about one guy getting to that spot and one guy who's been able to do it, uh, that gives me a little bit slight edge toward Green. Um, I also think that the addition of Randall Cobb and the return of Jason Witten takes some numbers away from what Cooper was able to do down the stretch last year when it was him, Michael Gallup, and Alan Hearns, and we'll see if Alan Hearns is able to get back on the field also. Uh, but it's still, uh, uh, they're, they're in similar situations. You know, I, I think both guys have a ton of upside. Uh, if Green plays 16 games, he will outscore Amari Cooper. I feel confident with that. Why would I take Amari Cooper over T.Y. Hilton? I wouldn't. I think he's got more upside, and I think the consistency will be there for him when it hasn't been in the past. But it wasn't there. The consistency was not there with, with him. With Dak Prescott, I mean, extreme. not last year. But I, I'm last saying year, it's right. going to improve, right? Yeah, but, but Hilton is consistent. It, on a week to week basis, is he? I he's not. They feel they to me they're kind of the same. You're going to get good weeks, bad weeks, right. a couple blow up weeks. I mean, last year was pretty good for Ty. I mean, he had four weeks with fifty or fewer yards. So he had a, he had a six game stretch Ty Hilton without a touchdown. And he still averaged 17.2 PPR fantasy points per game. I mean, I think he's good. I don't know you're wrong. And he's right in that same range. I think that you just have a higher opinion of T.Y. Hilton than the group does. Seems that way. And but, both I mean, of these I guys, can't be that much higher. It's, you know, these guys are back to back to back to back. Yeah. And both of these guys have, you know, game wrecking potential where they're going to give you one or two weeks of like 30 PPR points. And in non PPR, I do have Hilton ahead of Cooper. Yeah, I I made the switch. I went with Cooper at that T.Y. It is a fair point. I mean, T.Y. Hilton's not a big catch guy compared to the others. 76 catches in 14 games last year. Certainly not bad, but you're not going to get like that 105-catch season at a T.Y. Hilton. He's whereas, got more than 82 once ever. Yeah, whereas uh, A.J. Green in his eight healthy games, he was on pace for 90 catches, I believe. Uh, yeah, 90 catches. Okay, so then we got a tight end in front of all these guys, and it's George Kittle. By the way, like, Man, these debates are fun. 
it really like, do you take Kittle ahead of those guys? How many people are going to listen to this podcast and hear those four wide receivers we just talked about and like at least one of them ahead of Mike Evans, who's coming up in the countdown? How many people are going to like Kittle over Zach Ertz, who's coming up in the countdown? Let's talk about Kittle and Ertz. Kittle's 24. He's tight end three. Ertz is 22. He's tight end two. Obviously, Travis Kelsey's number one. Stick around to find out where he is in the rankings. Um, so, yeah, Kittle and Ertz are, are essentially back-to-back. They're separated by two spots. Who do you guys prefer, Kittle or Ertz? I'll take Kittle. I'll take Ertz. I'll take Ertz. And I think the funny thing is comparing these two to that group of receivers we were talking about, Zach Ertz, don't forget about the tight end thing and there's not enough good tight ends. Zach Ertz outscored all those guys last year. Uh, well, he, he, he had 280 PPR points by my calculation. Uh, uh, Stephon Diggs at 264. He had 116 catches, Zach Ertz. So, yeah. Keen and George Kittle outscored all of those guys except for Stephon Diggs. <sighs> wow. It's pretty interesting. So I don't, like, unless you think there is something major that's going to happen to them, because they don't need to outscore those wide receivers to be worth more on draft day than them, because the rest of their position is so god-awful. Yeah, you, you. If they're anywhere close to them, they are worth more on draft day. If they're scoring more than them, they're worth around more. I mean, this is the debate I have with Kelsey and Odell Beckham in my mind because these two guys have great potential, but I'd rather have the tight end at the thin position than the receiver, who I know I, I can get a good receiver later on. Oh, uh-huh. And that's how I feel about Kittle and Ertz ahead of all the receivers that we talked about. I think that they've got just as much potential for the same type of production. Uh, but they might be a little bit more consistent in terms of tight end numbers, and they're gonna they're gonna make your lineup different than the majority of the other managers in your league. Well, let's uh, let's talk about the players though, rather than the philosophy, I suppose. Uh, Dave, why do you like Kittle better than Ertz? I don't think there's as much of a chance of his targets falling than Ertz's chances. I think Ertz is going to see a drop in targets and catches. Uh, how can it go up? Well, I don't think it can go up, but he, he had 28 more catches and outscored him by 24 points, so he could lose 10 catches and be fine. And those big plays for Kittle are hard to replicate. But that's what he does. Like I, I was thinking about Kittle on the way into work today and just how much of a monster he uh, he was last year. Dave loves Kittle. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Both of these guys did some pretty remarkable things. George Kittle set a single-season record for tight ends with 1,377 yards. Only seven wide receivers had more receiving yards than Kittle. Zach Ertz had 156 targets in 16 games. What Did he set a record for targets? Because only but going into this year, 150 targets for a tight end. It only happened three times. Thank you to Heath for that. Uh, three times. It was, it was Tony Gonzalez every time. Ertz and Kelsey both had 150 or more targets last year. It's coming down for Zach Ertz. He's not getting that again. See, here's the thing, though, and I, I think you're probably right. I'm definitely it, right. I don't know if you're definitely 100%. right. 100%. Because if one, <laughs> only one guy has ever done it, but he did it three times, that doesn't scream to me the guy that just did it could never do it again. Sure. It's it tells happening. me that if you do that, you're probably one of those guys that's going to get targeted you're a lot. a special, special tight end. Ertz's numbers with... Wentz on the field last year were just insane. So he didn't play Wentz week one, week two, and then 15, 16, 17. So of the, what was that, the 11. 12 games? 11. 11 games. Only two with less than 12 PPR points. And to answer your question, yes, that was a record. Tony Gonzalez's best was 155 targets Ooh, in 2008. Beat wow. Okay, so... Uh, uh, last question. If either Kittle or Ertz is a bust this year, who's more likely? Kittle. Kittle. Sure, Kittle. Because I, I think he's got a little more downside than Ertz. But he also, he of these three tight ends, he's the only one that didn't score six-plus touchdowns. He only had five last year. Right. That number can go up. Like, I don't know if he's going to have 1,300 yards. Could be closer to 1,150, 1,200. But... What's stopping Kittle from having seven or eight touchdowns? Oh, yeah, he should. Garoppolo yeah. should, should get him more than, than the crap they had last year. Didn't even mention the quarterbacks. Mike Evans, 
23rd overall in our countdown. He's in between the two tight ends, which is kind of weird. I mean, Ertz, Evans, Kittle, they could obviously go in any order. Um, why Ertz? Is there is there a separation between Ertz and that group of Edelman, Diggs, Hilton, Cooper, Green? Ertz or I'm Evans? sorry, Evans. Evans. Uh, Evans is probably even too low in this because I have moved him up since we did these rankings. Um, so he should probably be a couple spots higher. Yes, I do think there's a separation because with fewer targets than I would expect this year, he was better than all of these guys last year. The only time he's ever had 150 plus targets, he was the best receiver in fantasy football. And I think he's going to get 150 targets again. He's wide receiver nine in our consensus rankings, Mike Evans. Guys, any disagreements with what he's saying? It's just a matter of, you know, like, who is he better than of the guys that, like, right? I, I'm looking, I don't know when you adjusted your rankings. If you put him five, this is non PR, I'm looking, non PPR. But, like, if, if tar- targets is your biggest adjustment for him going up? Yes. And you have him at where? In PPR, he's eight. In non, I think he's five. But where do the targets go to? Your projections? Uh, 170? I didn't know. It was like 155, 160. Because like, like I, I have a hard time seeing him getting more targets than Adams. No, I don't think that he will. But mm-hmm. Ad, I don't think Adams is probably going to average as many yards per reception as Evans does. But you also still are going to have Adams ahead of Evans. No matter what. Well, you don't non PPR. That's why I was asking. I don't think that I do have Adams ahead of. I think Adams' targets are going to come down. Excuse from last me. Year. You don't have Devontae Adams ahead of Mike. Excuse me. In PPR, me? I currently have him five, and Evans is eight. And in non PPR, you have Evans ahead of Devontae Adams. Evans is oh, five, boy. and Adams is seven. What is wrong? What's wrong with that? He's allowed to do it. He's he is. I'm glad he did it because that means we got a lot to talk about when we get to Devontae Adams. Uh, all right, that's uh, that's Mike Evans. You guys want to give me a quick downside for Mike Evans? Well, the other year he's good. Sure, you could say that. <laughs> Maybe yeah. the Bucks defense will be really good. Maybe their run game will be really good. Maybe Jameis won't attempt a lot of passes. Maybe Bruce Arians has turned over a new leaf, started <laughs> well. doing yoga, and uh, wants to have a conservative offense. Now take everything I just said. Imagine the exact opposite, including Bruce Arians rocking out a Metallica concert. And that's why Mike Evans is a top 10 receiver. Okay. Dalvin Cook is 21 overall in the rankings. And we got a couple of wide receivers after Dalvin Cook. So he's going into his third season, just needs to stay healthy. He's averaged uh, 4.6 yards per carry in 2017. Only played four games, but he was great. Yeah, all right. Is it that simple? Just stay healthy and he's going to be a stud? Yep. I don't see any argument. We can just move on. Pretty much. Offensive line's better in Minnesota. He's going to catch the ball too, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, Dave, you have him as a buster, right? I did. I I don't think I can call him that anymore. Listen, for weeks I was saying, I'll take Damian Williams out of Dalvin Cook. If we're talking about Tyreek Hill being back, I can't do that anymore. Dalvin Cook is RB12 and number 21 overall in the countdown. We go to the top 20 now, and we've got two wide receivers, wide receiver 8 and wide receiver 7. Keenan Allen and Antonio Brown. Obviously, you've heard so many names, and it's completely feasible that Thielen and Diggs and Edelman and Hilton and Cooper and Green could all outperform Allen and Brown. Um, right? I'm not speaking out of turn there. All those guys Especially are, Brown. are great. Uh, so is there a reason why Keenan Allen and Antonio Brown are top eight in our consensus rankings? It's, it's wide receiver, not overall. And the other guys aren't. Is there something that separates Allen and Brown? Upside, track record, mm. opportunity in their respective offenses. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you could make all those individual arguments for Hilton, for A.J. Green. Track. I don't, like the Hilton thing, I don't, in PPR, I don't see, and maybe fair, it's fair, happened fair. once. It's fair. But I like Keenan Allen's going to catch 100 passes or 96 or 97 like he did last year. You're right. Antonio Brown's been the best receiver in football for like, the last decade. Uh, yeah, A.J. Green, I think, though, you look at his track record, he could obviously finish ahead of those guys. He's just more injury-prone. Keenan Allen doesn't score touchdowns. Do we think that's a real problem or a fluky problem? It's a real problem. Yeah. I mean, it's... You know, when you have 
Mike Williams doing what he did last year, which I don't think he's going to score 11 touchdowns again, but he, you know, eight plus is probably realistic. And then you get a guy that's going to be significant in the red zone like Hunter Henry, plus with how they run the ball. So I don't see his touchdowns dramatically improving. He missed a few touchdowns last year. There was that one game where he was open in the end zone. He kicked the pylon because he was pissed off. Yeah, I think I think <laughs> Allen and Hilton touchdown wise are pretty similar. I think Allen and Hilton yards wise are pretty similar. The difference is I expect Allen to catch twenty more passes. Uh, do you think that it makes sense to pass these guys up and just wait for that next group of wide receivers? I can't imagine drafting Antonio Brown, and I still haven't ranked too high. I can imagine drafting Antonio Brown, but not at his ADP. So, yeah, all right. So the, the thing to note about Allen and Antonio Brown is that, like I said, they're 8-7. and seven. After that, Evans, Green, Cooper, Hilton, Diggs, Edelman, Thielen. Um, but the top six wide receivers really feel like, you know, the creme de la creme with that's Hopkins to Beckham. That's Ho- Hopkins... I won't say the order, but in no particular order because we're counting down. Hopkins, Beckham, Juju, Thomas, Adams, Julio. So, okay, we'll find out where they fall. Todd Gurley right now is number 18. And what do you like, think? Have things changed? Is he no longer number 18, Todd Gurley? He's had to have fallen a little bit because I think we've all adjusted our rankings as you know the, the news that came out this week or the report that came out this week. There's another report today. Uh, Maurice Jones-Drew for the NFL Network said he spoke to Gurley, and Gurley told me he feels fine. You know, player to player, who knows how that goes. Um, I think the report, if I if I saw it correctly, uh, they expect his touches to go down from 22 per game to about 17, 18. Snaps will come down, you know, so he may lose some, you know, just playing on third downs, not necessarily touching the ball on third downs. It could end up to a point where, and, and I'll say this, the same thing I said the other day, it's just an unknown, you know, so... You know, you can say, I just don't want to deal with the headache and you're not going to draft him, which I totally get. Or you could say at some point it becomes just an unbelievable value to take a chance on a guy who for the last two years has been arguably the best running back in fantasy. And you get that and he's 75 percent of himself, 80 percent of himself, 80 percent of his production, 60 uh, percent of his production, you know, and, and you justify that with a third round pick. So um, it's just all about your risk level. I, I thought what, um, you know, not to give away the, the draft from the other day, but. Uh, what Marone Berkson did was taking Gurley, felt him in the middle of the third round, and then got Daryl Henderson in the seventh round. That was That's super. A, that was a super flex draft. That was a super flex draft. Yeah. So you know he probably goes in the second round uh, when you take out the quarterbacks, and then Henderson maybe gets pushed up to the sixth round. Marone did say to me, you know, he's like, oh, I got lucky. I probably should take him in the sixth round. That's a heavy investment to 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 make in one backfield. But if Gurley is right, you win. If Gurley's wrong, and you have Henderson. You may still win anyway. The risk is not just that Gurley is. 60 to 80 percent of his usual production the risk is that he has a degenerative knee issue right. and no, is the, out. obviously the risk is he doesn't play you know yeah. or, or misses significant time but there's also the reward of he's he's not as bad as everybody's making out to be yeah I was really 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 tempted to take Todd Gurley I think Marone took him one spot in front of me and that was middle of the third round but there were quarterbacks it was a two quarterback league essentially uh, I can tell you that in his final six games Todd Gurley averaged 14 and a half carries and 4.7 catches per game. So that's more than 17 touches. That's 19.2 touches per game. But that's kind of low for Gurley. Touches, not carries. And he still was really good. In PPR, he was 17.75 fantasy points per game. I imagine that's probably like a top 8-ish running back. Um, In fact, I can tell you what that would have been. 17.75 fantasy points per game last year. I would be ninth in my projections ninth? this year. Oh, okay. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, would have been would have been about ninth. You mean okay. you'd be happy with that in round two? Yeah, you'd be thrilled with it in round. What three. if you only had it for eleven games? Would no, you still be happy which, with which, it in round two? Which eleven? <laughs> <laughs> can I have Can I have the fantasy playoffs? The first eleven. No. Uh, no. No. <laughs> okay, the last eleven. No, not seventeen. No. I, okay. I, I, I want. Well, I want, they're like, going to rest them in week, week six through anyway. sixteen. Right. Is what I want. Well, all right, so I think Gurley at 18 overall and then Nick Chubb at 17 overall, specifically in PPR, because Chubb caught 20 passes in 16 games, but his 16-game pace in the 10 starts, you know, without Carlos Hyde, he was on pace for 32 catches. Gurley is going to have more, a lot more than that. Uh, well, I don't know, because they've, they've talked about 
like what they may do to limit his time on the field is just not play him on passing downs. 32? Like, you don't think he'll catch two balls? I think he'll catch more than two balls a game. I think 32 is safe. I think he'll catch more passes. If they both play 16 games, Gurley's going to outcatch uh, Nick Chubb. Yeah. Gurley, so, Gurley, or Chubb is one of the guys that I actually have Gurley projected. I've got projected Gurley for 17 touches a game, and I actually have Gurley projected for more fantasy points than Chubb, but I have Chubb ranked higher. Because of injury concerns. Right, right. right. Yeah, uh, okay. So look, uh, Nick Chubb actually can Pro- catch. Probably don't want to take these two guys together. Why? Because Chubb oh. may lose a good <laughs> yeah. portion of his touches. Right. Uh, we, on the second half of the season. If they trade Duke Johnson, things would, di- things would be different. He had three straight games with three catches for 33 to 44 yards and two touchdowns. So Nick Chubb basically falls into my theory that pretty much every running back in the NFL can catch if they're given the opportunity. I just don't know that he'll get the opportunity. Um, what do you? He feels like he feels like what Jordan Howard was on his best days. Though he did have a 69% catch rate, which is not very good for a running back. No, because those are shorter passes. What do you think? Think about him overall. I mean, do you think Nick Chubb is a stud? He could be the best running back in football this year. Probably won't be, but he could be. Offensive line got worse, but everything else around him got better. He's got the coach who put him in the lineup. I shouldn't say everything else got better because they did add a pretty significant piece to the backfield. He's just not there for the first eight games. And if Duke Johnson just like gets his way and gets out of Cleveland... Yeah. We could legitimately see Chubb have a big role in the passing game. Three down back for the first eight games of the year, and if he succeeds, why would they take it all away from him? They they're going to take something away from him. They're not they're not trading Duke Johnson though. It doesn't I make, don't think doesn't make sense. For the them. only way they do it is if another running back emerges for them in training camp. That's the only way. So I agree. I think Duke will be on the team till at least the trade deadline. But Chubb was so consistent last year when he had the opportunity. Ten games, nine hundred seventy-two total yards, eight total touchdowns. 10 or more non-PPR points in eight of those 10 games. He averaged 16 PPR points, averaged 14 and non. Uh, and all of this without Odell Beckham. He averaged I think 16 PPR points. Remember, I said Gurley in his final six games, we didn't have as many touches, averaged 17.75 fantasy points. Sure. Right? Just keep it in mind. But with more touches than he's going to have this year. And Chubb's got better knees last uh, time. With more touches... You don't think yeah, you, that, that was 19 is what you were giving yeah. him. And I, I don't think he's getting 19. One of these running backs has arthritis. And one Maybe. of them has Odell that, Beckham that to be now on the team. Is that good or bad for Nick Chubb having Beckham? I think it's good because he won't see seven or eight in the box very often. Who's got the better he, receiving he, he wasn't going to anyway. I think I the Rams have the Browns. You said the Browns? I think yeah. the Rams just one to three. The, they do. The top three guys for the Rams, you know, Cup. Hopefully, hundred percent. Cooks and and Woods. The top three guys for the Browns are Beckham, Landry, and Najoku. Callaway. Najoku. No. Okay. Cal- Callaway, maybe. I'd say the Rams. I would say the Rams as well. Who's the better quarterback? Forget about their fantasy productions. Better quarterback. Baker. Goff. Goff is a better. Quarterback. I don't think we know. Yeah, TBD. I think. I, I think it's Heath. Baker. I agree with Heath. TBD. <laughs> I agree with Heath on this, but not about the offensive Adams. line. Same. I mean, maybe the Rams get a little bit of a nudge. Play caller. Oh, it's got to go to the Rams. So who's in the better situation? Chubb, because he doesn't have arthritis. Oh, health-wise, <laughs> yes. But we wouldn't have this but, debate. No, but, but, Chubb, but Chubb's got, really has to Chubb's do got Kareem Hunt. We haven't even talked about that. Really. I mean, we, we alluded to it. I mean, it's a, it's a big factor. You know, it, it's it's similar to Gurley. There's an unknown. You know, is, is Hunt going to step off the suspension and be a five-touch guy, a ten-touch guy, a no-touch guy? You know, I mean, who knows? If Hunt comes back in and, and you know the Browns feel like Chubb hasn't been producing at the level that they're hoping for, I'd be surprised if that's the case. Do they all of a sudden say we have to get Kareem Hunt 40% of the snaps? Who knows? All right, let's go to, uh, since it is such an unknown, let's go to wide receiver. Let's talk about Odell Beckham. He is wide receiver six, and he is number 16 in the rankings. Well, you know, it's been interesting with Beckham. I don't think he's ever finished higher than fourth at wide receiver. He's consistently like a top five guy when he's healthy, but he's never finished higher than fourth, and he definitely has injury concern. So I look at that big six, you know, in in some order, Beckham, Michael Thomas, Juju, Adams, Julio, and Hopkins. Does anybody have Beckham higher than sixth? I believe I do. No. He's he's exactly sixth for me. I don't think I have him sixth in either. You have him seventh in PPR. I'm looking at it right now. Seventh in PPR, and I think seventh in non-PPR. 
behind Evans? No, he's sixth. He's sixth in non-BPR. So you have Evans there ahead of him. Yeah. Okay. I, the thing I worry about, because the injuries are a concern, I just, and we don't know enough about Freddie Kitchens for me to say this definitively. I don't get the idea he is a throw the ball 170 times to one receiver coach. Like Sean McVay is not. And a lot of the, Doug Peterson is not. A lot of the good offensive minds we've seen lately are we're not going to be that predictable. And so Beckham has thrived on 10 plus targets per game. 160 basically on average. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I I just don't think, like he's still very good and he's going to be maybe even better on a per target basis, but I I don't think he gets that many targets. I agree. I think I think his efficiency can go up though with Baker at quarterback, and it's almost what you have to count on if yeah. you're taking him as a top fifteen guy. Yeah, it's just like he's at eight point eight yards per target, which is very very good. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to be too much more efficient. How about this stat? This is from CBSSports.com. Uh, it was written when he got traded. Since Beckham entered the league in 2014, he ranks third in receiving yards per game. With 92.8, slotting in behind Julio Jones and Antonio Brown. All right, that's great. How about this, though? In that span, Beckham also ranks third in touchdown catches with 44, even though he's missed 21 possible games. Put another way, DeAndre Hopkins ranks second with 45 touchdown catches, one more than Beckham, and Hopkins has played 20 more games than Beckham in that span. Yeah, but you got to throw out 16 games of Hopkins because it was Brock Osweiler. But Hopkins still caught like— Like that, that year didn't really exist. Uh, fine, but he still caught like what nine touchdowns that year or something. Uh, I might be wrong about that. <laughs> uh, oh gosh, four. Okay, okay, you're right. But give him ten that year. Beckham's touchdown rate is amazing, oh, yeah, I'm and it's still yeah, going to no. be, and it's still going to be really high, even though he's on a new team. Beckham's amazing. You know, it's just a matter of can he thrive with fewer targets and it could go from 160 to 145 to I don't know what Jen projected for you but can he be um, the number one receiver in football it's just hard to expect that given what the track record has been of missing time and now in an offense that's different with look obviously Baker Mayfield now is better than Eli Manning now it's not like Eli Manning has been bad for Odell Beckham right forget about what your perception of Eli Manning is he's He's made Odell Beckham an amazing receiver (laughs) Yeah. Okay, guys. Let's uh, let's move on. We don't and seem to I think. I think it's worth saying that any player that we say something negative about from this point forward, we're like saying, Nipping. I might yeah, take yeah. them two picks later. <laughs> like we don't have these guys fifteen picks apart anymore. All right. Well, I'm going to say something negative about the next guy on our list. It's Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon is number fifteen overall in the countdown in wins in Joe. I okay. love this stat. This is like revolutionary. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Uh, they went, uh, what did I say, 5-9 and nine in his 14 games. In wins, Joe Mixon averaged 7.3 more carries per game and about 8 more fantasy points per game than he did in losses. Breaking news. Adam Azer reports Seven point that are winning run more, the ball more. 7.3 more carries per game? That's a huge deal. 8 fantasy points per game? And guess what? They sucked. And they might be bad again, but most of those losses came without A.J. Green. They actually got off to a pretty good start last year. Uh, but I thought it was interesting. You know, I don't love running backs on bad teams. That's a bit of a knock on running backs sometimes, especially if they don't catch a lot of passes. Will He ca- He had 43 in 14 games. That's pretty good. Um, you know, so I just, you know, it's a, I thought it was an interesting stat, jerk. <laughs> uh, how, how what do you was feel? the most common response to that tweet? Uh, Tom Fornelli, who works for us, wrote, is Joe Mixon a Christmas movie? <laughs> Which was... <laughs> Tom Fornelli is one of the best Twitter follows. He is hilarious uh, on Twitter. Um, okay, so anyway, Joe Mixon was the number nine running back in fantasy. Does he have number one RB potential? I don't well, only if I the don't. Bengals win 16 games. <laughs> I would say not in PPR, but maybe in non-PPR. The the one thing to you know I think if you're if you're looking for like the highest potential ceiling for him is that Zach Taylor uses him the way that Sean McVay uses Todd Gurley and just puts him in these optimal situations of everything possible you can ask for of you know not that he wasn't a three down back before but just that the scheme is is that much better the talent around him takes that leap forward I'm excited about Mixon this year because I I think you know he started to scratch the surface on his greatness uh, there, there's, there's a floor, you know, they, they drafted two running backs for reason. Geo's still there. Um, 
we'll see, you know, what he loses in some capacity. But, you know, this is a, a guy, you know, you go back to pedigree. If, if he didn't have the off-field situations coming out of Oklahoma, he would have been a first-round pick. He would have been one of the top running backs. He may have been the top running back drafted. I, you know, he wouldn't have been the top, but he would have yeah. been, you know, two or three. That was the four-net draft. So. Right. Yeah. So, he, you know, it, it's just th- there's a lot to like about his, his, his situation. You know, the Bengals improved their offensive line. Play calling improved. You know, you have now, you know, a healthy A.J. Green, a healthy Tyler Boyd. Boyd missed the last two games with the MCL sprain. So uh, if if they get everything clicking, I know it's a surprise to think that the Bengals may actually win some games, but I think they may win some games. Can you justify a first-round fantasy pick on Joe Mixon? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. But it also strategically, if you're in your draft and you see all these running backs going off the board— and you're picking at the back end of round one, and you know one of these great receivers will be there waiting for you in round two, you take the running back. And I'm talking about David Johnson's off the board, Melvin Gordon's well, off we'll the get, board. Well, we'll get in all these guys. Right, yeah. but that, but it's sure. this is Tier, the situation in which you're taking Mixon. Right, you got to use tears. Uh, Travis Kelsey is next. Can you justify a first-round pick on Travis Kelsey? He's 14th overall. Uh, just to let you know, behind the scenes, Dave has left the chat room, Adam, so he does not pay attention to your um, Get in the chat room, Dave. It's every day this week Dave has left the chat room, and I usually have the same response. Dave hates you. Dave does. <laughs> um, yes, you could definitely in any league, and, and there's more of these with the tight end premium where it's 1.5 points per reception. You definitely can. In a PPR league, it's more difficult but you you could be justified. I definitely think that you know the sort of lightning of the harshness of the Tyreek Hill news that's gradually come in has affected my opinion of Kelsey. I mean, I still think he's amazing, but I don't know that he can get 1336 yards and 10 touchdowns again. I mean, that was an that was an incredible year. But why would Tyreek Hill coming back make things worse for him based on us seeing it last year? Because, I almost because, think it makes it better. No, be, because I expect the passing offense to be a little worse just because it was kind of historic last year. So if he had, if well, he look, played look, 16 I, games I, without Tyreek Hill, I, I mean, he'd be, a, he'd be an absolute I, I, I still think, you know, look, no matter how this shakes out, I'd be very surprised if Tyreek Hill does not get some suspension. Four games, eight oh, games, yeah. who knows? He's, he's most likely going to miss some time. The NFL is typically ruled harder than sometimes the legal situation has been. And the, I don't think the question is really about Travis Kelsey's efficiency because that wild efficiency Mahomes had last year wasn't really evident in Kelsey. He averaged 8.9 yards per target. He's averaged nine for his career. He had a 68% catch rate. He's got a 70% catch rate for his career. He's averaged 13 yards per reception. He's averaged 12.8 for his career. It's a lot to ask, though, to, to 103 catches, 1,336 yards, and 10 touchdowns. He's basically been like this for three years in a row. The now. only difference was he got 30 more targets. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a big deal. I, um, he had 150 I don't targets. know why you would expect his – I'm not – you don't have to expect his targets to go down. I'm expecting Mahomes' efficiency to go down. I don't know that he's necessarily going to throw less. The defense is still probably going to be awful. Yes, and the run game may take a step back. Look, uh, but, okay. forget about what Damian Williams did to close the season. Kareem Hunt was a monster. Uh, yeah, but he hasn't been this good uh, before. You know, Ooh, Kelsey. Yeah, Kelsey. Well, he just he, gave you all. No, of he this. just hasn't had this opportunity. He's been every bit this good. But okay, but I just I see those numbers like they're eye popping numbers. I just don't know how it's going to be hard to do. It. It's going to be hard to do I, it again. I, I understand what you're saying, but if you are of the mindset as a fantasy player that you want to get that position locked down and have the security knowing that for 13 to 15 weeks you do not have to make a change, or 13 to 14 weeks because of the bye week, you don't have to make a change in your roster. You I, take Kelsey at the back end of uh, round one or beginning of round two. I love Travis Kelsey. I try to take him. Usually it's more like 17 or 18, I think. Probably. He's never going to be there. Uh, no, I don't agree with that. I, I think Mixon... And Mixon, Beckham, and Chubb could easily go ahead of him, and then if that happens, he's 17th. Uh, okay, so let's go to 13 and 12. Here are two running backs. David Johnson is 12, and Le'Veon Bell is 13. Uh, who like Anybody like Bell better than David Johnson? No. Okay. Give me 30 seconds on Bell real quick, 30 seconds on Johnson, and then we'll we'll debate. Le'Veon Bell is back in the saddle as a primary back for 
an NFL team. He is in good shape. He um, needs to develop chemistry with his quarterback. His offensive line is ugly. His team will probably play from behind quite a bit, and he just got paid to change teams. I do feel like we saw David Johnson's downside last year, and he was still a top 12 back in fantasy, and that is deceiving because he played 16 games, and he was really bad most of the time. I don't I don't know that you can fully recognize what Le'Veon Bell's downside is with a much, much worse offensive situation and offensive line. And he does have a very unique style of running that worked very well behind the Steelers' offensive line with Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown. I don't know that it'll work quite as well here. Mm-hmm. Just before point. we get too far away from it, the NFL Network is reporting that Tyreek Hill will probably be back with the team in training camp. Right. That doesn't mean he won't be suspended, but back with the team. No, right now he's not been allowed to be taking part in any team activities. Right. But that, but I'm saying it doesn't mean that he won't be suspended for a certain right. amount of games, right? right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So who catches more passes, Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson? It could be Johnson in that offense in Arizona. I've got Bell with 11 more catches. Who's got more upside? Johnson. I think Johnson. Johnson. It's that style. Right? It's that air raid style of offense, right? Combined. Yeah, I mean, oh, the, the, the depth chart in Arizona right now is David Johnson and nothing. How the depth dare chart, you say that about Chase Edmonds? The, the depth chart for New York is they're working out Bilal Powell to add back into the mix potentially with Elijah McGuire and Ty Montgomery. And Trenton Cannon. Now it doesn't mean everybody makes a team, but there are more. There's more likelihood that Adam Gase's track record suggests he will use multiple guys, not to the extent of Damian Williams and and Kenyon Drake splitting time or Drake and Frank Gore splitting time. It'll probably be a 70-30, 80-20 split. But I think there's still chances that you can see Le'Veon Bell sitting down in some spots where you never used to see him sit down. Okay. Last question: Are you? When, if you draft Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson, are you confident? Are you psyched? Or are you nervous? Or both? Psyched for Johnson, nervous for Bell. Nervous for both. It's, a, it's all about value. You know, if you get one of these guys in the second round, you should be pretty thrilled about it. Well, let's, talk, let's pretend that we're taking them at the turn because they're 13 and 12 in our overall rankings. I mean, yeah. I, Excited, I think- nervous. Well, first off, if you're not excited about taking these guys, then don't take a receiver because you have options at this point and a lot of good ones. All right, but can you can you play the game? <laughs> can you play the hypothetical? I said nervous. <laughs> I'm asking Jamie. I'm not nervous taking David Johnson. I'm nervous taking Le'Veon there Bell, but that's go. why I don't take Le'Veon Bell. All right, that's see. That's and just all to let you know, their average draft position on Fantasy Football Calculator. Where do you think David Johnson's ADP is right now? Fourteen. Ten. Six. Where do you think Le'Veon Bell's ADP is right now? Eighteen. Fifty-nine. Ten. Nine. All right, we got three wide receivers in a row. 11, 10, and 9. Juju Smith-Schuster, Michael Thomas, and the way too low in the rankings, Devontae Adams. Thanks, Heath. Uh, Juju, (laughs) Michael Thomas, and Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is ninth overall, and we have no debate over who the top four are, and he is way too low in the rankings? Yeah, he should be number one. Oh. He's, He's wide receiver three. Juju's five. Thomas is four. Adams is is three. Um, any any one scare you here, Juju Thomas or Adams, or are they all safe and great and wonderful? I mean, the only thing that scares me with Juju is, is can he handle being the number one guy? Yeah. And obviously, I don't have it ranked that way. But you know, if there is a question mark about it, that's what it would be for me. The only thing that scares me with Adams, since I know Adams going to make me talk about it, so is like. We are talking about a guy that never had 1,000 yards receiving before last year and never had more than 121 targets before last year. He's always been reliable in terms of the touchdowns. I'm not sure that with Matt LaFleur going to Green Bay, this is going to remain an offense to where he gets 170 targets this year. I have him for 149. Even though the quarterback just said he wants to get more targets. He did say that. (laughs) Is, Is Green Bay like Pittsburgh where the quarterback is the offensive coordinator? It might be then Devonta Adams is going to get 170 targets. I struggle, honestly, with... Uh, Adams is number one for me in non-PPR, and I struggle with it in PPR. He's, he's two behind Hopkins. I just think Hopkins will... And I, I don't even know why, because if, if QT and, and Fuller are healthy, there's going to be a target decline for him. It just has to happen. But, you know, I, I, I think Adams... 
as much as I love Geronimo Allison and, you know, Rodgers is also talking up Valdez Scantling, I wouldn't be surprised. Like last year, if he played the final game of the season, he's the target leader at receiver. He's the target. Le- he's the uh, number one PPR receiver. He was on a per game basis. I mean, they're they're at some point, you know, I, you said this, Heath, and Dave said it during the week. You know, at, at, at some point when a guy has to get opportunities to become the thousand yard guy and, you know, Adam says this a lot, which is accurate. Aaron Rodgers' number one guy is typically among the best fantasy receivers that we have. Yeah, always. And this, yeah. and this is clearly his number one guy. And what I love is the touchdowns. Green Bay wide receivers, at least one wide receiver in the top four in red zone targets in four of the last five seasons. At least one. So Adams is going to be that guy. I, there's nothing that really concerns me in terms of like he could be a total bust. I think, you know, with Juju, what Jamie mentioned is interesting. With Michael Thomas, he he got 147 targets. That's a lot for a Saints wide receiver. And now they did bring in Jared Cook for what that's worth. They have some young receivers. Like, you know, you could see with Hopkins, even Heath made the case with Adams, other guys taking some targets. Could you see that from Michael Thomas? Does he go down to the 130 target range? Because as great as he was last year, he played 16 games. He was number eight in non-PPR. He was number six in PPR. I don't know that he's a guaranteed first-round value, um, especially if he loses like 15 targets. What do you guys think with Thomas? He's mega efficient. Did, didn't he have an 80% catch rate, Heath? Uh, no, I'm sorry. 85. I'm wrong. Yeah. 85% yeah. catch rate. And is it possible that the, the touchdowns with him are just fluky? That he had 29 targets inside the 20 and 14 inside the 10? I think that's certainly possible. It hasn't like first off, he scored nine touchdowns in two out of three years. So it's not like he has right. a Keenan Allen or T. Y. Hilton problem. No, but he has a Julio Jones problem. He has, he has a little well, better than Julio Jones. Julio Jones, Jones wishes he had Michael Thomas problem. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> um, but I don't worry as much about Thomas's targets this year just because he had 149 the year before. And it's not like there's a difference between 149, which is a lot, but still within the range of normal and 170. Okay, uh, but we're comfortable taking all these guys, uh, Juju, Thomas, and Adams in the first round? Yes. Yep. Does Juju have number one wide receiver potential? Yes. Yep. He could could have 190 targets this year, and he was one of the most efficient receivers in football last season. He isn't the same type of receiver as Antonio Brown. He's going to get a lot of short area targets. Where he's absolutely special is his ability to make plays after the catch. He can, you know, Alvin Kamara might be the master at having defenders just slide off him like he's coded in Crisco. Juju is probably number two. He does a really good job of that. I wouldn't expect him to catch a bunch of deep balls. I think most of the targets you'll see from him are going to be inside of 15 yards. That's not a bad thing. But he that's, does have. That's where a lot of he's those the only players in NFL history with back to back years of 99 plus or 90 plus yard touchdown right. receptions. And, and he, a lot of that has, was short. Catch and runs. Yeah, uh, right. He's gonna game. have the big plays. All right, let me let me get to to another. Uh, it's also a little fluky. Sorry, Adam, but it's a little fluky that Juju had 29 red zone targets, which was second in the NFL, and came away with seven touchdowns. James Conner is number eight in our countdown here. Uh, is there a big separation between James Conner and the five running backs that are ahead of him? I have James Conner fifth, so no, I don't think so. Um, not the one guy ahead of him. And Gordon, there's a separation between the four guys ahead of him. Sure. Okay. Do you think he gets feature work, or will they actually mix someone else in there? I'm still betting I'm getting feature work. I would lean toward that way, but I do think for what the Steelers have been in the Mike Tomlin era, that this will be the closest we see to a split. Because I don't think they drafted Benny Snell just to sit on the bench, and I don't think that what they got out of Jalen Samuels last year Plus wanting to make sure Connor is able to finish the season. Yeah, like th- I don't. That's it for me. I don't think he can get the Le'Veon Bell 400 touch or no. the Zeke or like Zeke and Barkley are the only two guys I have with over 380. But I think he can be right there with Kamara and McCaffrey. And I don't know that Melvin Gordon's going over 310, 320. Okay. Biggest knock on him is that he's got some injury concerns. Yeah. All right. So is anybody avoiding James Connor eighth overall? Or you I'm not taking him at eighth overall. I'd take him fifth. Uh, <laughs> I have him ranked eighth at running back, but that doesn't have him eighth overall, so I wouldn't take him eighth overall, but I have no problem if that's the best available player at that time. 
All right, Julio Jones is next. He's seventh, and DeAndre Hopkins is fifth. Those are your top two wide receivers in PPR. You don't need to catch a lot of touchdowns when you catch 113 passes like Julio Jones did last year. Um, yeah, all right. So we have him seventh overall, and again, Hopkins is fifth overall. I do think I said that Adams should be one. I was kind of joking around. I, I probably would take Hopkins ahead of him. Uh, but listen, we don't talk about this stat a lot, but I like to look at the percentage of targets that a player gets on his team. DeAndre Hopkins in three of his last four seasons, other than the Osweiler season, 31%, 33.5%, 32%. That is like outrageously high. Okay, 25, 28%, that's kind of what I would expect from a lot of number ones. I'd have to do a little bit more research, but I looked at like Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown's been about 26, 7% the last three seasons. Hopkins getting about a third of the targets. So, yeah, I mean, is that, is that a reason to be nervous? Is there, for either of these guys, is there a reason to be nervous for Julio or Hopkins? If that happened once, I would be nervous about it happening a second time. When it's happened as often as it's happened with Hopkins and the coach is still the same, I just kind of assume that's what they want to do. We might have said exactly that after the first year when he had a third of the targets. Yeah. Oh, there's no way he's going to have that many again. But this is the most talented receiving core he's been a part of. So if, and it's a huge if, if Will <laughs> Fuller plays 13-plus games, if Kiki QT plays 10-plus games, there's going to be a decline to what level it's hard to say, but there will be a decline. 29%. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's still, but when you're talking about Hopkins versus Adams versus Julio versus, you know, Juju, maybe it's something to consider. Or even when you're talking about him versus running backs. Well, when it comes to Julio, why should I take Julio Jones over Devante Adams? Devante Adams has had 12, 10 and 13 touchdowns his last three seasons. Julio's had more than eight only once. Or has he ever had more than eight? Because he's going to get, Mega yardage. He's done that quite often. And I think the targets are going to be there for him again. So yeah. I'm, I'm taking Julio ahead of Devante. I, I think the difference at least 200 yards, maybe three to 400 yards. What do you think the red zone target difference is in the 20, inside uh, the 20? Oh, year? God. Not for much. Adams and Jones? Not much. It's got to favor Adams by seven targets. 25 to 12. 31 to 17. Like I said, 14 targets. Oh, okay. But but the year before, 19 red zone. Like, 17's not bad. 19 red zone targets the year before. 22 red zone targets in 2015. Jones just, for whatever, like, it's the strangest thing. It just... He gets doubled. It still feels totally fluky to me. And I still wouldn't be shocked if he had 12, 13 touchdowns. I wouldn't either. But I feel very confident he's going to have between 14 and 1,600 yards. Yeah, he's amazing. All right, Melvin Gordon is number six overall. So it's, it goes Julio, Melvin Gordon, DeAndre Hopkins, and then four running backs. You know who they are. But Melvin Gordon's number six overall. Is there anything that's keeping him from that group of four at the top? The way his workload was decreased last year, I think, for me at least. The year before, and I'm trying to do the math really quick. I'm going to do a bad job of it. But he had 175 carries in 12 games. That's uh, 14.5 carries per game. What were his catches? Uh, four per game. Right. That's why it's... But eight, 18. Okay. Um, that's that's good. That's, yeah. But it's not what those guys in the top four, well, two of them at least, are going to do. He, yeah, he, I mean, he was really... Gordon was so productive. And Hunter Henry's coming back, so maybe... I don't think he's going to score touchdowns quite as often as he did last year. Yeah, 14 touchdowns in 12 games. <laughs> Total touchdowns, 10 rushing, 4 receiving. Uh, and you would, Heath, you would take Connor over Gordon? I would. Anybody else? I no, I like Gordon better. I think the, the talent-wise, the Chargers may be the best team in the AFC. Yeah. So they could have some more opportunities with, their better, with a better defense. Um, offensive line is good, still needs a little bit of an improvement. I, I didn't love their offseason there, but, I mean, Rivers is still so good. Uh, you you know, yes, they get Hunter Henry back, but they lose the combo of Tyrell Williams and Antonio Gates. So there's production, you know, kind of negating itself. And we are down to our four best players in fantasy in our top 50, top 150, rather, uh, in PPR. Number four, Christian McCaffrey. Number two, Alvin Kamara. No, wait. I skipped what? number three. I skipped number three. What are you doing? He, okay, I'm sorry. 
Number four, Christian McCaffrey. Number three, Alvin Kamara. Seven, (laughs) four. (laughs) Three is Alvin Kamara. Two is Ezekiel Elliott. And why wouldn't a New York Giant be number one? I had nothing to do with this. Saquon Barkley. I do remember tweeting at one point that Saquon Barkley is the best running back in football. Maybe I said he was the second best running back in football. And people freaking destroyed me for it. And now, guess what? We're taking him number one, which means a lot of people must think he's the best running back in football. Only one of us has him ranked number one. I do appreciate that our consensus reflects my top four in order. I like that. Okay, so it's McCaffrey, Kamara, Elliott. Barkley. If there's one guy that I love that order, it's perfect. Absolutely, and that's four to one, not one to four. If there's one guy that you absolutely would not take with the number one pick, it would be who? McCaffrey. McCaffrey. Yes. Okay. Who what where do we go from here? Uh Heath, who's number one for you? To the end of the show. Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> Dave, who's number one for you? Zeke non PPR, Kamara PPR. And Jamie, who's number one for you? I you read it already, so it's Barkley. Gen- genius. So, if I could apologize to my to my listeners, to our listeners right now. They're your listeners. I have a meeting that I'm five minutes late to. With, oh, come on. I have to go. I'm going to curse and make you edit it. When we come back, because we, we should spend at least 10 minutes probably debating these guys. Who should go one through four? We can't do that now. We've already got an hour and one minute into the show. No, we can't do it. No, we really can't. No, we really can't. It was Jamie's fault. He had an HQ <laughs> hit. Work. He had an HQ thing to do. So we got started late. Plus, we're at an hour and two minutes. Um, thank you all for listening. On our next show, top four debate. It's going to be awesome. Love to know who you would take number one overall in PPR. For Dave, for Jamie, for Heath, I am very sorry. Wait, 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 and wait, I am wait, Adam Azer. Wait, Jamie, wait, I, I have to go. Wait, wait, hold on. No, you don't want to miss this. Nah. Nah, 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 nah. Nah.